0: Are you a kingdom-minded real estate investor? Do you see real estate as an incredible vehicle to advance the flourishing of the kingdom and mission of Christ? If so, we welcome you to the Kingdom Real Estate Investors podcast, the podcast to spotlight and share the stories of real estate investors just like you who are advancing the kingdom of God and using real estate as the vehicle. Let's get into the show. Kingdom Real Estate Investors, if you have not gone to oneconnectionaway.com, then you don't know that we have been promoting and just finished a live 90-minute webinar where I shared the exact strategies and secrets that have helped me go from college pastor to full-time real estate investor and purchase more than $100 million of multifamily real estate. But not only me, I also shared the secrets and strategies of those inside of our Kingdom REI Mastermind that have helped them become CEOs to attain financial freedom, to actually leverage a business for kingdom advancement We've gotten incredible, incredible reviews, and so we're going to do an encore coming up very soon that I want to invite you to attend. If you have not already attended this, go to OneConnectionAway.com. That's OneConnectionAway.com to grab your seat for our next live webinar so that you can learn exactly what we have to quit your job and begin to live life on your own terms through commercial real estate. OneConnectionAway.com. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Kingdom REI podcast. Man, I love this show. I love getting to share the stories of Kingdom on entrepreneurs who are just doing honestly really cool stuff in the real estate industry. Uh as and, and doing it profitably, which I think is something that often is not celebrated enough, Cameron. Uh by the way, welcome to the show again. Cameron, how are you?
1: Thanks, my brother. I am very good. How about yourself today?
0: Man. I, uh, I'm, I'm pumped for this show, dude. And, and what I was saying though, and like, what I love about our guests today is they figured out a vehicle through real estate investing that allows them to support the things that they're passionate about, AKA anti-human trafficking. And the reason I love that so much, cause I remember what it was like, dude, to be a missionary and I would have died for a guest. I literally was dying. I, I would have lived, I would have done a lot for a guest who like ours today, who had a passion to support our ministry through an entrepreneurial vehicle like real estate investing. Uh, So this is going to be a fabulous episode. Uh, So without further ado, guys, I want to introduce our guest to you today, Mr. Tyler Goble. How are you, sir?
2: Ellis, I'm wonderful. Cameron, good to meet you, brother. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Likewise, man. Happy to have you here.
2: Tyler, give our audience, man, uh, a little, little intro to yourself,
0: where you guys are at. You know, I know that you got a lot going on. You have the business, you served in the military, or could, are serving in the military. Uh, give, give us a little background.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, the, the Reader's Digest version, basically, is growing up as a kid, I'd never thought that I would join the military, do anything like that, don't have really any family in the military, I have an uncle who actually was in the Army for 30 years, but other than that, the Goebbels were like a sports family, right? And so I went to – you're not
0: the, – the
2: Tyler's like literally jacked. So I'm not sure <laughs> if that was because it comes Truth. from a sports
0: family or because he was a Marine, but keep going. They,
2: they had, I've been lifting since January. I finally got back in the routine, so I appreciate that. But, um, yeah, so my whole dream, my whole life was to play college football. And so really what led me into the military was a desire to – play college football at the highest level I could. And the highest level I could play was uh, actually the Naval Academy in, in Annapolis, Maryland. And so played football for four years and the academy's kind of got a weird way of um, molding your mind at some point and making you realize, you, you know what, military service wouldn't be that bad. Kind of the conditions for me going to the academy with my mom were, okay, you're not going to join the Marine Corps. There's no way you're going to do something like that. And I mean, if you join the Marine Corps, you're definitely not going to go into the infantry. Like, that would be insane. Like, you're going to get on a ship, you're going to do your five-year commitment, and and that'll be that. I think Lord had different plans for me. And so, I ended up joining the Marine Corps and then um, going into the infantry for the past four <laughs> years. Um, so, I kind of did the whole hard right turn from what we thought I was going to do as an 18-year-old kid, just going to college to play ball. Ended up kind of serving the country in, in that way. And so, that's kind of my my background there but as far as the the investing side guy, goes I'm, you
0: got me now man i'm hooked. yeah now i'm hooked now like how does a guy call one into marine infantry duty i uh, tell me how that kind of shifted
2: football i'd played since i was seven years old right and i don't know if you guys have a sports background or anything like that but love the game was a, a huge shimmy. part Look of my the life
0: dude's a yeah. athletic athletic specimen stud. he's a
2: poster boy for no. athleticism at no, no no
1: no no no, <laughs> not at all you're lying, brother. <laughs>
2: Oh, uh, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I bet you could dunk. Anyways, it was it was always football was my my driving force, right? Like my faith. And then football was the thing that I loved. Having that that get severed as abruptly as it does, unless you go to the NFL and you're Tom Brady and you come back whenever you want, is something that you're like, man, what am I going to do after this is done? Like, what am I going to fill that with? Like, like, we're all Christians here. Like this is a Christian podcast. It wasn't something where I had like a crisis of my faith, but I knew myself enough to know it's like, I need to be around a team. I needed to be around folks that are aggressive, want to get after it, and kind of wanted to find that locker room atmosphere again, right? And so, I mean, the best way to do that is is the Marine Corps, and the best way inside the Marine Corps is the infantry. And so that's where I really felt God kind of pulling on me to serve in that way. And so that's kind of how I landed in that world.
0: Mel, before we jump into your real estate experience, kind of what you're doing in this space, can I just pray for us before we get going? Yeah, would be great. With that in mind, God, thank you that... You are a god who really cares who sees us who wants to call us god into good works uh, and be a part of what you're doing thank you that because of christ we have the opportunity to uh, be partners with you in your mission to to glorify your name to let others know of your love your care for us pray that today would increase our faith it would it would set our hearts on fire for mission and so we pray this in
2: jesus name Amen. Amen.
0: give us your focus today man with what you what you guys are doing at your company
2: Kind of to get to that, I think it's helpful to go back and like establish, okay, where we started with real estate. It was kind of the very traditional buy a single family home, rent out the rooms to your friends, pay for your living expenses that way. And so I got married to my wife in uh, 2019. And when we got married, I had previously bought a house, was renting it out to four other buddies, and she didn't want to live in that house with four other grown men. Right. And so we ended up buying another house and living in that. And fast forward now to 2020, I left an infantry battalion, got a new set of orders out here to Monterey, California. And my wife and I kind of newly married, we're wanting to decide how we were going to be generous with our real estate portfolio type stuff. We always thought that real estate was going to be a pretty big part of what we're doing, but hadn't decided because of the nature of income, you guys are super familiar, unless you're, if you're flipping houses, it comes in waves, right? Like you'll get a $30,000 check, you get a $40,000 check. It's not like you're getting every two weeks, a paycheck. And so we wanted to figure out what we wanted to donate and tithe from that income with my wife suggested giving to unbound now, which is an anti-human trafficking nonprofit that my mother-in-law runs. I didn't know if she was running this thing out of her garage on her laptop and just like sending messages to folks or like what kind of scale this operation was. But I mean, at the time of this recording that we're recording this podcast right now, um, she's actually in Ukraine right now. Um, helping refugees um, stay safe from human trafficking, educating them. Because, I mean, there's a huge issue, right? Like you've got a ton of folks moving across the border. There are some good people out there that are helping transport them and get them to somewhere safe. But with every good person, there's usually somebody who's got kind of an ulterior motive. And, I mean, in Ukraine, if you're a man, you're staying and you're fighting, right? And so... The people that are getting moved across the border right now are usually women and children are really elderly folks. And so they're really at high risk. And so she's actually over there right now doing that work. But wow. going back in time to when we first sold our, our first couple properties in North Carolina is where I bought them. We just gave the money to Unbound. We're like, this is a good thing to do. Newly married, like established, like we're going to be generous with what God's given us. And my mother-in-law called us and was like, hey guys, like, thank you guys so much. I think we were able to end up giving like 2,500 bucks or something like that to Unbound. She explained to us, it was like, for $5,000, we're able to employ a full-time worker that works in countries like Mongolia, Indonesia, Thailand, those types of places, and just sits on the border between Mongolia and China, and is just snatching people that are being sold into slavery at these bus stations, truck stops, all those different things. There's been some pretty good publicity. If you listen to the like Jordan Peterson podcasts or any of those more... Um, like pretty high level folks like Joe Rogan talking about where North Korean defectors are coming across into China and being sold into slavery or going into Mongolia and then being sold into slavery, right? Being in the Marine Corps, we have a pretty unique outlook, I think on China compared to most folks, right? We kind of see behind the curtain in some ways. And so when she said that, that was kind of my light bulb moment of like, man, like, I know that's a huge problem. If flipping one house could pay for six months of somebody's salary, like, man, like, what are we doing? Like, let's flip a house. Like, there's no, like, that's not a big deal. And I don't know if you guys have read that children's book of like, you give a mouse a cookie, it's going to ask for some milk. You flip one house. It's like, okay, you did a ton of work to flip one house. It's like, you've, you've already made the relationship, the contractors, the banks, all those different things. It's like, you might as well flip two houses. And so you get, well, if you're going to flip two, you might as well flip three. It's like, okay, well, if you're flipping three houses, like you might as well turn this thing to a full-fledged business. And so That's kind of what we decided to do, and so since January of 2021 is when we officially launched the company, but June is when we started actually purchasing properties in Waco, Texas. Since June of last year, we bought 13 single-family homes, and we're in the process of flipping the majority of those. Our dream had always been to donate a full house to Unbound and be able to do something where it's like, man, they. They have a huge need for temporary housing for victims of trafficking, right? And throughout Central Texas, one of our general contractors actually beat us to the punch. And so he donated a full house to Unbound. That's going to be one of the first like emergency, emergency shelters for female victims of trafficking in the foster care system, which if you know anything about trafficking, that's kind of one of the high risk uh, demographics. Right now, in addition to those, I think we've got 10 on our books right now, flips that we're currently in construction on or selling or in various stages my wife is a she's an interior architect and so she's doing all the design work and we're trying to help raise a little bit of money to help pay that house completely off but yeah that's us in a nutshell that's kind of where we're we're moving to fire hose method there, <laughs> explaining a whole lot of stuff
0: yeah no, I love it man I just love the family mission I love that you guys it's clear that you really understand in and are very intimately involved clearly in, in anti-trafficking uh, and have built a business to support that passion and and I just think man that's the power uh, and, and the purpose of a profitable business like why I think margin is not the enemy it actually is, is a tremendous uh, reason why I think we should clearly be focused on profit uh, when it comes to business and what do we do with profit right I mean I, and I think that's such an amazing example so Uh, really cool, really just cool testimony, man. I think, I hope that really speaks to a lot of people. The fact that you have a real, you have a real vision for what you, you know, how, what God's called you to, to participate with him. And maybe instead of saying, Hey, I'm going to go work for Unbound. I think that was the name of it, right? Unbound. You, you're an entrepreneur (laughs) and you went into real estate. And I just think that's, that's what's so cool to me, man, is just see the way the kingdom and the way the strengths and gifts that God's given us the way he can use us in so many different ways. For the advancement of, of his kingdom.
2: What's really funny. I think you guys will appreciate this is we thought we were setting some really big goals. Like we were like, man, we need to, let's try and do four houses this year. Like first year of business, like let's try and take it slow and let's, let's do four houses and really be smart about this thing. And then God just kind of grabbed it and said, no, I think you're going to do a little bit more than that. And I mean, that's three times what we are we were really planning on doing at 13 houses at this point like already having a house get donated to Unbound. And it's been a really, really cool way our faith has been, has been stretched. Like I tell, I tell people all the time, like I've probably talked more about Jesus in the past two years because of real estate investing than I had my whole life, you know, because I think the draw for people is everybody wants to make money. And if you're in real estate, you're in marketing. And if you're in marketing, you're talking to a bunch of people. It's like, you lock me in a zoom call with somebody and it's like, Inevitably, the question that you kind of opened up with is like, why are you guys doing what you're doing? That comes up and it's like, well, we're doing it because of the gospel, right? Like at the end of the day, trafficking is kind of the focal point for why all this stuff is, is why we launched the business. That's kind of the out, the outgrowth of, of the work. But at the end of the day, it's all because of, of Christ. And so that's something what do you mean I think by that? Like, cool. How do
0: you connect that? And I just think this would be helpful to just kind of continue to see how the gospel applies to everyday living. What do you mean because of Christ? Like, How, well, how does Christ have anything to do with anti-trafficking? Has, has anything to do with real estate investing?
2: Yeah, because I mean, I think you, you make a really good point when you talk about how profit's not the enemy, right? Because, I mean, the Bible talks all the time about debt. And I mean, I love that. Like, and I'm pretty sure you probably love debt too, being in real estate, like lever up, like let's do it. But at the same time, there needs to be a healthy understanding of like, if you don't have that margin, you don't have any room to be generous. Like you don't have any kind of ability to give if you're living paycheck to paycheck, or you don't have the ability to, you know what, we made $30,000 on this last flip. Yeah, we're going to give some of it in our, in our normal tithe, but here's a need that's direct right now. If we hadn't done that flip, we wouldn't have the money to give to that cause, right? I think margin and being able to be generous is a, is a big deal. But as far as how is it tied back to the gospel, it's I think real estate and really single- family residential flips are super restorative for communities. Like multiple of our houses that we've sold at this point have gone to first-time home buyers with kids. They're getting to live in a really safe place. Their, their house is put together the right way. I think there's a lot of flippers out there that are just cutting corners and painting over stuff, but we really try to not do that. And I think that's kind of a, a way to model the gospel in a secular world where God's not painting over stuff, right? Like he's not going out there and doing a halfway job on, on anyone, right? And he really proved it and he really put um, his money where his mouth was, on the cross, right? Like God was willing to put in put in the work in that way, and it's not a perfect analogy, but I just think the gospel and business are really intertwined. And I think your point of having margin is a great way to show folks that like God loves them and that there's people out there that that care about them, even though they haven't met them. I'm
1: curious, Tyler. Just because I live in Dallas and I'm here in Texas, how in the world do you guys decided to land in Waco? Because it has the absolute worst of the worst traffic in America. You drive to downtown Waco, it's a trip. Yep. You don't you don't get to speed through it. They make you go five miles an hour to the entire city. Granted, I know it's grown and exploded since Chip and Joanna Gaines repopularized it from the, you know, pretty sad past it had. But I mean, what drew you to Waco?
2: Well, that's where Unbound is headquartered.
1: that makes Um, that
2: makes a really (laughs) really good slam dunk for us but um (laughs) another another crazy thing is the master's program i'm in is like a data analysis data analytics master's program it's like data science and it's it's just insane what's happening right now in texas and in particular dallas and austin and houston in my mind though there's one common denominator between those three big cities and it's waco if you look at it on a map I mean you're talking about i-35 you're an hour and a half from both of those major metroplexes you're three hours from houston and i think we've seen the mass migration out of cities into those tertiary markets that you can still get to you can still get to dallas from waco you can still get to austin from waco and i've nerded out hardcore that's probably a whole nother discussion but plotted on a map where everyone has actually moved across in the united states over these past couple years And I mean, you want to look at Dallas, it's like somebody dropped a hand grenade right in Dallas County and it's just blossoming out. And that's what's happening in a lot of major cities across the U.S. right now. Hopefully this doesn't get out to the entire world. But man, I think I think Waco is going to be the next Austin in the next five to 10 years. Whoa. You know, like,
1: well, it will now that you just said it on this podcast. I know,
2: I know the whole world knows. But I mean, you look at where people are moving, right? You see, you hear all these different, like, look at the U-Haul reports and look at all that stuff. But if you look at the census data, you look at all those different population demographics and you put it on a map, people aren't necessarily moving right into the cities. They're moving to those counties that are commutable, especially in Central Texas. And so there's a huge draw for us to pick Waco to answer your question. One for Unbound, but two, I just think it's, it's a place where we're kind of getting in. I wish we had gotten in 10 years ago, to be honest with you. The market, I think, is primed to really just take off even more so but then kind of tying it back in holistically, the way my wife and I view this business is, one, it's a revenue generator. It's something to make a whole lot of money that we are in charge of. With multifamily syndication and those different types of things that require you to onboard like 35, 40 investors for one deal, you have a responsibility to those folks to, to pay them back and to pay them a the highest return you can. While I don't think that's a terrible... Like investment thing. I mean, we're going to probably get into some multifamily and get into commercial real estate here in the next couple of years. What we really wanted to do at the beginning here of our business was have a little bit more control and really have control over where we direct those finances. Single family flipping in Waco kind of meets that criteria. But with the business, we kind of envision it, one, the revenue generator there. But two, it's a marketing machine. And what better way to like draw attention to Unbound than Flip houses where Chip and join gains are, right? It's a really easy connection, connect the dots for folks to um, kind of understand that and right or wrong, that's kind of how we thought about it at least. And so that's what we pushed the accelerator on on in Waco.
0: So to walk me through or walk my guests through like your process. I mean, I, let's just say I'm listening to this show and let's speak to someone who, man, is, is not being able to create enough profit or margin to be able to support the things they want to support maybe some same where you were before you flipped your business so like wh- what is required if someone says man I want to go do something similar to this it seems like if you can do it you know it it could be possible for others just I mean I guess high level or as, as simplistic as you can talk about the team and the systems that have allowed you to live in California but flip houses in Waco
2: yeah so I mean about
0: building that in a different market
2: I think what you really have to do is you have to have somebody that you trust in the market you're in. Um, You've got to have, if you're flipping single family homes, it's not done until your partner sees it. You know what I mean? Like that's not like that didn't get painted until your partner put their eyeballs on that, on that paint. My father-in-law is actually our 50 50 partner on all of our deals. There's no, no trust greater than your father-in-law. Right. (laughs) So we've got somebody on the ground there that we know and trust that, is going to shoot us straight, whether it's good or bad. We've already, I mean, flipping houses is kind of like the wild west sometimes, and we've already had hard conversations of, Hey man, like this one looks like we're going way over budget. How are we fix it? And so you having that team in place where you have someone on the ground that you know and trust doesn't have to be related to you, but they need to actually care and have a a vested interest in, in what's going on. So that's kind of step number one, in my opinion, step number two is getting those contractors together, which we really rely on um, my father-in-law to do all that stuff too. And so your boots on the ground person, if they can handle the construction, everything else can be done via the internet. Like I'm signing for a house we're buying tomorrow, mobile notary, and it's, it's easy. I mean, it's, there's no rocket science behind it. All the financing stuff can be taken care of online. What about deal flow? Yeah, deal flow. So there's a couple different strategies for that. What we've decided to do is we don't do any marketing for deals ourselves right now. Um, What we've decided to do is just go after folks that are doing the marketing. And so we hunt down wholesalers, real estate agents and answer pretty much every time somebody says, hey, I've got off-market properties. Like I'm probably on some wholesale companies list like five times because I've always ping them. But that's what we found has been the most effective thing. And once you kind of break the ice and become a known quantity in your market. So once you buy one or two properties, and people understand that you're actually going to, you're going to be able to close. We found that we'll get deals sent to us before they get marketed to everyone else. So kind of at this point, our, our deal funnel fills up every week. We're probably making three or four offers a week and we're getting ready to bring on some full-time help as well to kind of help us with scaling that.
0: And what about your capital?
2: Our capital is all private money, friends, family, although no family's actually invested with us. It's all been folks that I've connected with via LinkedIn, via podcasts like this and really just being genuine and, and that kind of thing. So all of our investors are usually it's like private money lending situation, which we can, I'd be happy to discuss exactly how we structure that stuff. Yeah. If that's people helpful. want to
0: know, what do you offer them? What does that look like? I, I'd love, for, I mean, people, people might want to do this. So how do you, how do you, how do you work it?
2: What's really important is it's very state specific for lending laws. And so there's people out there that'll do deals, draw up on the back of a napkin, a promissory note, which is like I think a pretty bad way to do it. <laughs> like we have a, a real estate attorney that we've worked with in Waco that has drawn up Texas is a deed of trust state. So you have kind of two different things. You go know, deed of trust or mortgage. Texas is a deed of trust state. And so what we do is we'll, we'll find a property, we'll get it under contract. We'll figure out how much money we need, like a capital side from an investor. And then we offer 10% and one point of whatever that, that loan amount is. So for, for easy numbers, if we needed $100,000 for a deal, what would happen is we would pay that person $1,000 for the total capital. And then as long as we have their, their money in the deal, they're getting 10% annualized interest on that on that money. We usually put our, our investors either first or second position liens. And so for folks that don't know what that is. First position, basically, if I got hit by a bus or my wife and I and my father-in-law all got hit by buses and you needed to foreclose on the on the property, the first position lien gets paid first when they sell it. And then the second position lien gets paid after that. That's kind of how it we how we structure it.
0: 10 and 1, 10 is the an annualized return. That's your annualized return, right? So if you Correct. held it for six months, they'd be getting five grand five 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 grand on their Mm -hmm. their money and then one percent is whatever is they're getting a fee of one one point based on the money that they lend is
2: that correct exactly exactly and so if somebody's looking to start and do kind of what we're doing and you're wanting to get the finance side set up first thing you do you get with a local bank they're usually the easiest to work with on stuff like this and the keywords that you want to find is a portfolio lender So you want a bank that's lending its own funds, that's not gonna sell your loans on the secondary market. And so what that means is like, think back to 2008 mortgage crisis, right? What was happening? All these banks were making these loans, packaging them up into mortgage backed securities and selling them on the secondary market. Since 2008, that's gotten a lot more strict, right? And so in order for a loan to get sold on the secondary market, it usually has to be kind of commonly called conventional financing, but with a portfolio lender, they basically get to make their own rules. And so like our real bank, like not like a hard money lender has closed loans for us in little seven days in Waco. They're usually a lot more understanding and okay with you having somebody in a second position lean on the property and stuff like that. Get with a local bank and then get with a lawyer to have them draw up your documents. And then once you've had gotten with a lawyer, it's just change the name, change the address and change those types of things. So you don't have to keep going back to him to draw up your documents every time, but do it right the first time and then you don't have to worry about it.
1: You guys don't work any with hard money?
2: We haven't had to yet.
1: Because your banks are so quick?
2: Banks are so quick. And I mean, truly, it was maybe like three or four weeks ago. I was like, man, I think we might start out running our private money. Like we're really buying a lot right now. Um, and I mean, God dropped, dropped stuff out of the sky for us. <laughs> it's like, it's insane. The um, kind of the blessing that we've kind of experienced at this point.
1: One thing I, I've experienced in this, doing this a little bit, is that you can be good at the money and you could be good at the finances and running a pro forma. Um, but one thing that I'm not the best at, but my partner is, is the design and determining what needs to be done to this property in order to justify a sale price or a rent price or an Airbnb nightly price. So, who on your team, whenever you buy a house, is looking at it and saying, and do this here? Here, drawing up a construction budget, designing it—is that you? Are you flying down to Waco and walking it with a pen and paper, or how's that happening?
2: Well, that's my wife. She's interior architect, and I mean, you think stereotypical? Like, who do you want designing a house? It's my beautiful wife, twenty-six years old, knows what style is. Like, I couldn't pick out paint colors to save my <laughs> life, but she's got that thing down to a science. And I mean, once you've done like a dozen houses like we have, you kind of have built up a portfolio and understand your materials and know what you like. And so she will typically stick to a couple of different base designs, but then pick different things to tweak each property and make it, make it a little bit more unique. So we're not doing like super cookie cutter flips. There's folks out there that will be like, we're doing flip A and this is everything you're buying for this house, go to Lowe's or go to Home Depot and get it. So we're definitely taking a little bit more time to, Customize each house and each property, but she she'll fly down there for maybe a week or two weeks every month or month and a half or so to handle that stuff. But my father in law has also kind of got the eye a little bit, so he can Facetime her in, and she can pick out stuff based off of that and um, and that kind of thing. But no, that's a huge amount of work. That's something I think that a lot of folks don't realize is like it doesn't get put in there unless you say it's getting put in there, and so. It's a ton of work. And so I'm super thankful and we're really blessed that my wife loves it. And one, she likes it, but two, she's really, really good at it, which is super helpful.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah. You got to have that or you start cutting corners and you start losing profit. Mm
0: -hmm. Hey, Tyler, I have two questions for you before we get out of here today. One is, uh, this is just kind of, we don't really do a fire round, but sometimes I just, I I see random stuff on the internet. I'm like, you know what? That would make a great question to ask my next guest. So I have two random questions to ask you. One is what is something that you changed your mind recently on? Like what is something you've changed your mind about in the last 12 months?
2: I mean, I think it's saying no to stuff, like refusing to go chase down rabbit holes for for deals that would probably make us a lot of money, but would take us away from our our focus. I know Ellis, me and you randomly connected on uh, a deal that we were actually working. And we were looking at buying a resort outside of Austin. That one was like right at the edge of our like, man, it's two hours away from Waco. This would still work inside of our like theory, like our our thesis of like staying pretty hyper local. Um, But it's a slightly different asset class. It was like a 24 cabins and a lake house. And I mean, a really big deal for us at the time. Right. And that thing went up in flames. <laughs> so we didn't close on it. A bunch of stuff fell out at the last minute as things do with the financing. After that, I was like, man, I, I was like, I hope we didn't blow that. And I hope that that wasn't something that we really should have closed. And truly like an answer to prayer, the next day we bought a house in, in Waco that we're turning into an Airbnb that because of our percentage stake of GP in that, in that deal, we're probably gonna make more money on this Airbnb in Waco. You know for us it's just really saying no to looking at every single deal that comes across my desk because i just get so many of them at this point yeah. on all the lists i'm on uh, it's, 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 it's so such difficult a good word now.
0: man leading you know we we lead you know kingdom rei also has a coaching component and element to to what we do now and i so i hear a lot of see a lot of stuff that kind of early investors are coming in at and you know though i was like ellis do you have a connection to like i'm I'm not gonna say the guy's name, but he asked me, do I have a connection on a, a business consultant who could help him look at like an auctioneer company? And yeah. it, because it had a self storage facility on it, I'm like, why? Like, stop. Like, no, I'm not, I, I barely even wanted to give him anyone because I think it's the, of like that idea of like, man, until you really build, especially as an early entrepreneur, until you're insanely profitable at one thing, say no to everything else. And so I think it's a really good word, man.
2: It's really scary though, because you know, you're not sure where your next deal is going to come. Yeah. That's something at the beginning, like when we were getting off the ground, it was like, man, like, I don't know if we're going to get another house for another six months. Like, is that going to actually happen? And so you see a deal come across and when you're, when you're starving, anything looks like a steak. For, for us, I think that was another really good stretching thing for our faith was like, like God's told us like, we're really convinced right now that Waco, Texas, single family real estate, like that's where we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing in this season. And God has been really gracious with us and given us a lot of confirmation of that. But I don't know if that really happens for everyone. Right. And sometimes like God just has to have you go through that desert of just dryness in order to kind of build up a faith and and prepare you for, for something bigger. But it's really hard when you're in there. It's super easy being on a podcast and talking about it. But I mean, a year ago we hadn't bought anything, right? We were still trying to get our foot in the door. We we're just really thankful and blessed that God's been, been yeah. faithful to do what he said he was going to do. So that's
0: awesome, man. Dude, my last question I'll pass over to Cameron is, uh, is I saw this on Twitter, way, if you don't follow me on Twitter. I just post some (laughs) random stuff. So, like, shout out to my Twitter account. I think it's highly entertaining, by the way. Okay. So, uh, anyways, to my question that I got off Twitter is, if you were wildly successful in your business, what would the world look like in seven to nine years?
2: So, I would love, there's a really cool program with the military called SkillBridge. And what they do is they'll give active duty service members six months of, Free internship time. You ought to look into this, Ellis, if you're needing interns for your for your business. It's incredible. They'll get paid six months of their full active duty salary. The business is not allowed to pay them by law. And they'll get six months worth of time to explore business, do an internship, and then kind of prepares them basically to exit active duty with a skill set, right? And so in seven years' time, man, I would love to really own a pretty sizable chunk of Waco, Texas, and have the ability in the deal flow to bring on a significant number of Skillbridge folks. And one, they they learn a ton about real estate. But two, I think tangentially, they'll learn a ton about the nonprofit space, ton of stuff about Unbound, and give us a chance to really kind of love on those folks. And I mean, like grunts, like infantry dudes are super near and dear to my heart, right? And a lot of my guys didn't necessarily come from like super well-off backgrounds with tons of access to, to stuff like that you would like to have, right? Like you would like to give your own kids. And I think we're all probably working towards that kind of direction. And so giving an opportunity like that to folks that um, are go-getters, but they just need kind of like a kick in the pants or um, just somebody who's done it before to show them how it works. Yeah, in seven years, I'd like to really be cooking with some serious gas down in Waco and being able to keep maybe five or six interns at a time real busy.
0: What was that program called again?
2: It's called Skill Bridge.
0: Go find me some grunts, Cameron, for uh, That's right. this summer.
1: <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be helpful. <laughs> hey, Tyler, I'm just curious too, man. Are you, I mean, you're active duty military. Um, is there a plan to uh, end that service in that part of your life and do this full time or you know, what's that look like? How are you balancing the two? Yeah. So because a lot of people's problems is I work a full-time job. How could I possibly be successful in real estate? Well, I think you're a perfect example. You work a full-time job, but your job's a little bit more demanding on what you can and can't do. I think as far as even where you live.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I work up at 4 a.m. every day for about 10 months. <laughs> so if no, you don't get to just take shortcuts and you have to be willing to sacrifice something to get where you're going on those, on those fronts. And so one, I mean, I mean like full stop, like none of this happens if God didn't bless it. Like I'm convinced of that at this point, there's no way we would be doing what we're doing. If God wasn't like giving us the green light. I mean, I got up at 4am every day and didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I was doing something and I was, I was making movement forward every step of the way. And I'm in a unique place in the military right now where I'm getting a master's degree. And so my schedule is set by myself for these past two years, but we're really getting ready to transition into a position where I'm not going to have as much time freedom as I had previously, but we kind of knew that from the get-go. And so we've designed the business around really understanding the tasks that need to happen and being able to delegate those tasks to folks that aren't time sensitive if they need to be. And if they are time sensitive, we have somebody who's full-time able to answer those, those kinds of questions when it comes to like working a full-time job and and starting something like this, I think you have to make sacrifices. I mean, you got 24 hours in a day and I don't think I could have kept up the 4am grind much longer than I did, but because I did that, I'm not going to have to do that 4am grind in six months now because I have those systems in place and we'll have more full-time help that we're getting ready to hire here soon as well to, um, to take care of that stuff. So
1: sacrifice, just doing what it takes. I mean, kind of rolling with join the a mastermind.
2: Um, I joined the, yep. the war room mastermind, which is a military real estate investor one. But okay. I mean, Ellis, what you guys have going on with kingdom REI, like that's a, that's a huge benefit getting yeah, to see good. kind of what's the world of possible is a huge deal. I think so. Yeah,
1: that's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing.
0: Yeah. We're waiting on free. We're waiting on you to, to, to join brothers. Memberships are open up again soon. Now I've heard great things about War Room. Actually, one of my partners who's in the military is in War Room. And uh, I know that to be a, a fantastic one. But speaking of Mastermind, for those who are looking for a, a Mastermind, specifically for kingdom-minded investors in the real estate space, uh, King Mariah has been incredibly powerful. Uh, Cameron can speak to that. It is a, a, an ecosystem. We actually don't talk about it much here because we do an ad before this and i have a webinar and stuff but guys <laughs> literally i mean we've built a community of over 40 people across the country and doing deals together i mean if you're if you're serious about what tyler's talking about and actually growing a portfolio and you need a community that has resources and access to capital and deals and that's what we've been doing over the last three years so reach out to us if you're interested in that go to oneconnectionaway.com. actually is is where we have a webinar coming up so Uh, But before we get out of here, uh, Tyler, I want to give you a chance, man. I love what you're doing. Clearly, you're working with more investors or maybe people who hear your story, like, man, I like this guy. I want to take a bet on this
2: dude. Where would they go? Yeah, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, on Instagram, that kind of stuff. My email is just tyler at ltginvestments.com if you want to reach out to me there. Yeah, I'd love to talk. And I mean, truly, like what I've found, like for folks out there that are trying to raise money and trying to get money for deals, like... Man, just don't pitch people, don't like ask them for their money. Like just meet people, like and build connections, kind of like what we're doing right now. And if if folks need need that opportunity, like just pray that God brings it to you and and do the work of of meeting with people. And so I'd love to talk to anybody that's got an interest in this stuff, especially with Unbound and all that stuff if you want to get involved with that. That's really the main mission here. You just go to unboundnow.org and you can give directly to those folks. And so that would that would be
0: awesome. Tyler, thank you, brother. Uh, Cameron, really enjoyed this episode as always, man. Big takeaways
1: for you today? For me, a big takeaway is uh, give Waco a second chance.
2: Yeah, it's, or or maybe don't. It's pretty competitive. So maybe maybe another Central Texas market.
1: Another tertiary market, Abilene, Abilene, Oh, you Texas. say give
2: Waco a second chance, is
0: that what yeah. you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never even been to Waco. I, I wouldn't even be able to find that on a map,
2: to be honest with you. So
1: you get there, you'll know it because you'll be stuck.
2: <laughs> hey they're getting close to finishing i-35 down they're I they're widening so. it it'll be another 10 years
1: yeah, yeah I, I have no doubt
2: so all right guys listen if
0: you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have all we ask is that you take a screenshot share this on the internet and say man this was the best show i listened to all week uh go check this out at the kingdom or I podcast the only place to really hear kingdom-minded entrepreneurs, investors, really sharing their stories, experience. Tyler, you shared some awesome content today, man. You just laid out exactly what it takes to be able to create a profitable business. So thank you for that, brother. Thank you more for your partnership in the kingdom and using your business, man, as a means to, to honor God and help others, brother. We're grateful for you.
2: Thanks for having me on. It was really, really great getting to talk to you all. And Cameron, good meeting you. And Ellis, good officially meeting you, man. We, yep, we man. pass in the hallway. 50 yeah, times it seems like.
0: The LinkedIn hallway. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's a
1: good hallway. It's wide.
2: All right, everyone. We'll see you
0: next week.
1: Cheers.